Hey, thank you, choir, orchestra. That was crazy, crazy good. Well, welcome to Big Valley Grace, especially if you're visiting with us for the first time. Welcome to all of you that are watching online and those of you that are over in the venue. Uh, grateful to have you all with us. Um, I told you last weekend, if you were here, man, I had a great Saturday last Saturday, and man, I had an even better one this Saturday. Uh, yesterday, we had all these people down here who wanted to join the, the church. About half of them were, were nine o'clock people, and, and then I left here, and I drove to Stan State real quick, because at Stan State, there's a young man who went to our school, played on our baseball team, who often will play guitar in our worship uh, our worship department here, just a great kid. His family, all the tens, they sit over here at the nine, uh, at the eleven o'clock hour. Tyler Meyer, Tyler Meyer is a freshman, and uh, yesterday they had their opening uh, day uh, 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 against um, Eastern Washington, and he is the number two pitcher. And so he started yesterday's game, got his first win yesterday. And man, I got to be out there and see this kid, one of our own, and I'm telling you right now, he's gonna end up getting drafted. Whether he, whether he makes it to the major leagues, I'm not sure, I think he probably will someday. I mean, this kid's a real deal, and it was just fun to be there, and then to come back here last night and worship the Lord together, it was fantastic. And last night, I just started, I just went and hung out with the kids for a little bit, and, and did it today, I was over in these two little areas, and I'll tell you what, it was a, it's just a lot of fun to be in there with the kids. Made a mistake, though. I got, down, I got down on my knees last night, and I went, uh-oh. Uh, I, I don't know if I'm going to be able to get up, and, and uh, I did. And then I went in and held some babies. And here's the deal. I always, I always that's Isabella, I always say that I'm no good with the babies, okay? Well, since my, my grandson was born, man, I got it back. Man, oh, man. I'm in there just with the, 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 the babies and all of that, and it's just a blast. You know, you heard Bobby talking a little bit about our children's ministries. This hour, we have a ton of workers in there doing a great job, holding babies, teaching children, mentoring kids, and all that kind of stuff, but we sure could use your help, uh, especially at the 11 o'clock hour. And I don't know what you do at the 11 o'clock hour, I don't know, but if you would go, hey, look, if you're an individual, Spend some time with the Lord. If you're a couple, man, maybe together you could serve Christ in a, in a neat way, mentoring some fourth graders or whatever. I know my son at 11 o'clock is gonna be out there with fourth graders, and it's at a moment like this where we just need to all come, to, to come together. So, so we're in this uh, series here uh, about marriage, and so uh, Lonnie kicked it off a couple of weeks ago, and that was a fantastic message. Last week, we talked about marriage. We're going to continue on this topic, and I want you to take your Bibles and turn to Proverbs chapter 20, uh, uh, 24. Put your finger in there, Proverbs 24, and then I also want you to put your finger in at the Song of Solomon, or some of your Bibles may say Ecclesiastes chapter 2. Put your fingers in in those two places. And um, when we kicked the series off, we introduced everybody to this young couple that was uh, getting married. And they're a part of our, our series. And uh, once again, we just kind of want, want to let you in on a little, little piece of their, their life. So check out these, the, the, the jumbotrons. We're brought here today by the love that Sarah and Davis share for each other. We're going to be so happy. We'll be so happy, and I'm gonna crush it at being a husband. I really hope she looks like her picture. Pete says she has a good personality. That's a red flag. Davis! Whoa, that is one beautiful personality. Cutie alert. Thank, Thank you, you, Pete. Pete. <laughs> uh, sorry, I, uh, oh. I got you a latte. Oh. I hope you <laughs> Thanks, latte. Why did I just say that? <laughs> Quick, say something. Oh, yeah, that's dairy. Probably shouldn't immediately correct him. Uh, so do you... sports? Failure. Yeah, I love golf. What? No, I don't. I hate golf. Me too. Yes, I love with the chipping and the putting birdies. Nope, tweet, tweet. <laughs> Get a hold of yourself. Um, so what are you looking for in, in a relationship? Oh my gosh, I'm gonna die alone. Uh, oh. Um, you know, it's, a. Uh, um... Someone just like me. Someone who's just kind of their own person. Someone pretty adventurous. 
Someone who likes to stay at home. Someone who will just listen to me. Someone who doesn't talk too much. Someone who isn't intimidated by how much money I make. Somebody who doesn't mind how little money I make. He looks like a good dad. Hope she doesn't want kids, like, soon. Um, you know, it's, uh, like another person. Oh, that's me. I mean, me too. <laughs> <laughs> I think I love her. Yeah. Wow. I don't know. <laughs> yeah, I'll tell you, when I've seen all of these, just, you know, I've been looking at them for a while, and every time I see them, they make me laugh. Because I think a lot about me and some of the stuff that I went through, and maybe you're not too old to remember maybe those first days when you were, you were dating. Well, here's the deal. Uh, this series is really about looking at what God has to say in his word about marriage. It's really about gathering some, some wisdom about marriage. And some of you that are here over in the venue watching online, you, you desperately need some wisdom right now. And so Proverbs chapter four, uh, 24 says this, okay? It takes wisdom to have a good family. It takes wisdom. It takes understanding to make it strong. It takes knowledge to fill a home with rare and beautiful treasures. Wise people have great power and those with knowledge have great strength. So you need advice, you need wisdom, you need understanding when you go to war or when you get married or when you're raising children or when you're starting a business. Not just war, you just need, you need great advice when you're gonna do anything. If you have lots of good advice, you will win. The odds are really, really good that if you've gathered wisdom about whatever it is you're going to do, marriage, it'll end up okay. God wants you to be wise about your marriage. He wants you to understand how your marriage operates because the better you understand how your marriage operates, the better the chances your marriage will last and be all that you and your spouse want it to be and especially what God wants it to be. You see, a lot of marriages, you know, they, they, they fall apart simply due to ignorance. They're unaware of the dynamics that are taking place within the relationship. I've had more people than I can count that have said to me, Pastor Rick, what happened? I have no idea what went wrong. One minute we were doing great and then something began to change. We used to love each other deeply and now we can't stand each other. What happened? And all of us on staff here, all of us that do marriage counseling, I want you to know, we hear that all the time. Well, here's what we're gonna do. T today, we're gonna gain some wisdom. We're gonna gain some understanding. We're gonna talk about three common stages of marriage, and, and I certainly didn't make these up. I've talked about them before in the past, but we're gonna kind of walk through them, and I want you to think about what stage are you in? Just want you to think about this. You as an individual, you as a man, you as a woman, I want you to think as I walk through these, I wonder what stage I'm, I'm in. And don't, don't, don't try to figure it out for your spouse. I want you to kind of think about this. The first stage, or stage one, is that every, you know, everything is fantastic stage. There's great joy in your marriage. That's how all marriages start off, right? This incredible moment, you're all dressed up, you got your coat and tie on or whatever it is, and you know, you got your white dress on, and I don't know, maybe someone special in your life, like your dad or your grandpa or someone walks you down the aisle and there's a big party and a big celebration. You go off on this thing called your honeymoon, and wow, there's great joy in your marriage. Turn over to the Song of Solomon or Ecclesiastes chapter two. I, I, I think. I think Solomon captures this first stage right here. Look at verse two. <laughs> like a lily 
Among thistles is my darling, among young women. Like the finest apple tree in an orchard is my lover, among other men. I sit in his delight, uh, delightful shade and taste his delightful fruit. He escorts me to the banqueting hall. It's obvious how much he loves me. Strengthen me with raisin cakes. And that was, you know, that was a, that was a cool food back then. <laughs> Refresh me with apples for I'm, I'm, I'm weak with love. Oh man. His left arm is under my head and his right arm embraces me. Promise me, O women of Jerusalem, by the gazelle and, and, and wild deer not to awaken love until the time is right. Ah, I hear my lover coming. He's leaping over the mountains, bounding over the hills. My lover is like a swift gazelle or a young stag. Look, there he is, hidden behind the wall, looking through the window, peering at my room. My lover said to me, rise up, my darling. Come away with me, my fair one. It's as unbelievable or what? This is crazy. Well, it gets better. Look at chapter four. Turn to chapter four. Look at verse uh, one. You are beautiful, my darling, beautiful beyond words. Your eyes are like doves behind your veil. Your hair falls in waves like a flock of goats winding down the slopes of Gilead. <laughs> now, you don't want to say that to your spouse now. That, that was something really cool back in biblical days. Don't. Just, I'm not, I want to give you a heads up here, guys. Be careful on that one. He goes on and says, your teeth are as white as sheep, recently shorn and freshly washed. Your smile is flawless, each tooth matched with its twin. In other words, she's got a full rack. You know, she's, she's, they're, they're all there. Just realize this was written in a different time. Okay. Oh. Your lips are like scarlet ribbon. Your, your mouth is inviting. Your cheeks are, are, are like rosy pomegranates behind your veil. Your neck is as beautiful as the Tower of David, jeweled with the shields of a thousand heroes. Your breasts are like two fawns, twin fawns of, of a gazelle grazing among the lilies. Whatever. Before the dawn... <laughs> Before the dawn breezes below and the night shadows flee, I will hurry to the mountain of myrrh and to the hill of frankincense. You are altogether beautiful, my darling, beautiful in every way. Oh, this is the first stage of marriage, isn't it? I hope you're not too old, fellas, to remember those days when you were writing poetry. Man, you were doing things you, you can't, even imagine that you'd do now. This is the stage where everything's thrilling. Wow. Things are incredible. I remember when Erin and I were, were dating. She lived down in the Cal Poly area. She worked at a, at a hospital down there. And I would get up early in the morning, get in the car, Drive all the way to Cal Poly, San Luis Obispo. Get there, take her to lunch, get back in my car, and drive all the way home. Today, <laughs> I hardly have 20 minutes, you know. <laughs> what are you, what are you, I don't got time to have lunch. What are you talking about? Can you meet me halfway? Can we, you know, uh, Wait, really? I gotta come pick you up? <laughs> it's unbelievable, right? Man. Remember those days, guys? When, man, you went on a date and you went over and you opened the car door for your wife and she got in, you know, you were just dating her then and then you'd go around and, you know, get in the car and, man, it was just incredible, right? Today, it's like, hey, get in, honey, and you take off and her leg's still dragging behind. <laughs> hey, hey, get in. I don't, we got, we're gonna be late. What are you talking about? You know what I mean? This is weird, man, just thinking about some of that stuff. See, one of the things a series like this does, it makes me think about my own life, my own marriage and all of that. Now, let me share with you two thoughts that I think really describe this first stage. 
There's great intensity in your relationship at this stage. You're spellbound by your love for each other. And I, I like the word intensity. Some of you are in this first stage. There's just incredible intensity. You're, you're, you're totally absorbed in the other person. This first stage of marriage, you're engrossed with each other. You've got a crush on each other. The gal in the Song of Solomon says, I'm, I'm faint with love. And Solomon says, there's no flaw in you. Remember those days? In this first stage of marriage, you have the tendency to put your partner up on a pedestal. I mean, in your mind, they're absolutely perfect. There's, there's a, a total disregard for faults or, I don't know, differences. There's a lot of giving in, a lot of giving up. You know, whatever you want, sweetheart. No, 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 whatever you want. That's all that matters. All I care about is you. Remember that? Remember those days? Ladies, you can't stand sports in this stage, you know, but you go to the game with your husband anyway because you want to be with him. Now, I know I'm being somewhat stereotypical here, but you understand what I'm saying. Men, you can't stand to shop, but you go with your wife anyway because you want to be with her. I remember those days, man, I'd, you know, go shopping with my wife, and I was like loopy. I'm in there. I'm actually enjoying looking at stuff. And then all of a sudden, it's like, you know, my wife asked me to go shopping. Now it's like, no, nah, you go. Here's a card. I ain't, you know, I ain't going. Spend all you want. I, you know, enjoy yourself. You know, I ain't going there. But there was a time in that first stage where, yeah, yeah, hell, that's, that looks great, honey. Why don't you get it? No. Hey, that, oh, that one looks great, honey. Why don't you get it? No. Hey, hey, that, that one. And then you spend like two hours in a store looking at stuff and you didn't buy anything. Like, <laughs> but you didn't care back then. Oh, we just spent all day looking at stuff. You didn't buy one thing, but I'm, I'm golden with it. Now it's like, no, I don't want to go do that. <laughs> you know? We'll go look at stuff all day long. You don't buy anything. I don't get it. It doesn't register in my brain, you know? But you're willing to do whatever. Jesus said this in Acts chapter 20, and I think this may be the key for our morning. Jesus said there, there's more happiness. There's more joy in giving than receiving. I think the first stage of marriage is just all this giving. All you care about is your spouse and this, this new love and this new adventure you're on. And it's just whatever you're giving, you're giving. And guess what? Jesus is right. There is great joy in giving. Now, nothing wrong with receiving, but there is more joy in giving, and those of us that have children or maybe grandkids, we get it, especially at Christmas. You know, I, you know my kids will give me something, and I open it, and it's okay, and I'm fine with it. But I have way more joy in giving them something, thinking through what they need or what they want, and giving them something. There, there's just great joy even in that moment. I'm going to talk more about this in a little bit. But here's the second word that I think best describes this first stage. There's great ignorance in your relationship at this stage. Yes, there's great intensity, but there's also great ignorance. And remember, we're gathering wisdom here. That's what we're doing right now. We're gathering some wisdom. You see, the intensity blinds you to your spouse's humanity. You married a sinful person. You married somebody who has the old nature within them. The fact is, you really don't know your spouse as well as you think you do in this first stage. You're in love with an ideal of them. You don't know what they're really like, and you don't know what you're really in for. Our premarital counseling is the finest, I think, around. But the bottom line is, as much as great information and data and conversations happen in our premarital, 
You're still not prepared for the very moment you can't be when you finally say I do and you move in together. Now your, your toothbrushes are next to each other and your underwear are in the you know, washing machine together and now all of a sudden you know, you're in close quarters together in a whole new way. There are some things that premarital counseling just can't prepare you for. It can, it, it can prepare you for some things and we do the best. I, I think we have the best. During this first stage, you tend to ignore the differences you have with your spouse. You tend to overlook their faults. You tend to sweep things under the rug. You know, any major conflict you have, you just, you just kind of say, well, it's no big deal. And you need to understand that this first stage isn't gonna last. Imagine a couple, or imagine a child sitting right in front of Disneyland. Literally, you sit them down, and they're right there in front of Disneyland. There, there's the entrance to Disneyland. And you say to that child, hey listen, before you can go in to Disneyland, you have to learn mathematics. That kid's gonna say anything he has to say because all he wants to do is get into Disneyland. Do you understand that, son? Yeah, you understand this? Yeah, yeah. They're gonna say whatever they need to say, they're gonna do whatever they need to do because they just wanna get into Disneyland. That's a young couple in premarital. <laughs> They're sitting in front of Disneyland. Uh-huh, yes, got it, Rex. Thank you, Nancy, uh-huh. Now, now, it's good stuff. Uh-huh, okay, appreciate it, yes. I'll be here next week, yeah. Okay, I just want to get into Disneyland. <laughs> I, just, I just want to get on the honeymoon, you know, can we do this thing, you know what I'm saying? Now, you still need to do it. But, but the intensity is great, but there's also this other piece of it. You don't really know that person as well as you're going to know them. You see, sooner or later you start to figure out that you and your spouse have some differences. Huh. Sooner or later you start to see some of the faults in your spouse. And by the way, some of these things came up in premarital counseling, but you didn't think about it. Which is one of the reasons why you need to go through premarital counseling because at least some of those thoughts, those seeds have been planted in your mind. Because they're gonna tell you some of the things that you may struggle with at times. Mm -hmm. Yeah, well, whatever. Whatever, Rexy. Yeah, huh? yeah, we're gonna struggle with that. You don't know us. We're in love. <laughs> and then all of a sudden, you know, they're married, a year goes by or whatever it is, and oh yeah, Rexy. Rexy said we're gonna struggle here, yeah. Start to see the, the influence of the in-laws. Start to see the influence of friends. Start to realize that there's more to life than just having fun. You, you gotta pay bills, right? You gotta wash dishes. You, you gotta clean the apartment. You gotta work late some nights. You gotta help your spouse when, when, when they got the flu and they're hanging over the toilet and they're throwing up everywhere. Oh, didn't see that. On the first date or second date, I haven't, I haven't seen that at all. Beloved, there's nothing wrong with this first stage, and it can last a long, long, long time. But there's gonna come a moment when it ends. It can't last forever. And that's when you get to stage two. Okay, stage two is, man, you know, I, I didn't sign up for this, <laughs> you know. What happened, man, you know, the joy's gone. Proverbs chapter 27 says this, and by the way, this is the same guy that wrote Ecclesiastes. He says, a nagging wife is like water going drip, 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 drip on a rainy day, how can you keep her quiet? Same guy that was talking about the twin gazelles a little bit ago. <laughs> he's, he's now here. Same guy, you know. Uh, Wow. One of B.B. King's greatest songs was The Thrill is Gone, right? And it's kind of stage two. Some of you are there. 
Somebody there right now. Hmm. Let me give you a couple words that I think best describes stage two. I don't know if these are all the right words, but these are some of them that you know experts talk about that I've experienced in counseling. One is dullness. Your marriage begins to experience routine. Boredom sets in, you become complacent, you lose interest. You see, when you were dating, you always made sure that you looked good and you smelled good and your teeth were always brushed and your hair was always combed and, and now you just let it all hang out, right? This man that you said I do to hasn't smelled your perfume in a long time. Because by the time he gets home from work, maybe you've already showered. And it can go both ways, by the way. When you went out and ate, when you were dating, you were always worried about, man, is there something in my teeth? The last thing you wanted was spaghetti hanging out of your mouth, and now it's <laughs> at your Super Bowl party today. <laughs> and you don't care. There's your wife looking at you going, oh, man, look at you. And you, know, you don't care. It's just weird, isn't it? Word two, and I think these kind of go in some sort of order, dullness, and then, you, then that kind of leads to disagreements. Your marriage begins to experience strife and disharmony. You begin to clash over differences. You begin to argue over decisions that need to be made. Uh, you disagree on how, how to handle certain things, which tends to always lead maybe to the third word, and that is defensiveness. Things get dull, then, then you kind of get in these disagreements, and now you start kind of getting a little defensive. Your relationship begins to experience a, a communication breakdown. You're not as open as you once were. You, you, you don't want your faults used against you, so you start to protect yourself. You, you don't let your guard down like you used to. You're not as open or as vulnerable as you used to be. And then that leads to maybe the fourth word. Your relationship becomes a disappointment. You begin to think, man, I feel cheated. I, I got into this marriage, and, and now I want out of it. I have, I have this secret feeling of regret, and now I'm trapped. I, I don't know how to get out of it. What have I gotten myself into? I should have listened to my mother. I should have listened to my friend. Then doubt always follows disappointment. You know, did I do the right thing? Did I marry the right guy? Did I make a mistake? Was I listening to God? You know, it's weird how our brains work. Listen to me. These four Ds that I just gave you, dullness and disagreements, defensiveness, uh, disappointment, always set you up for the two big Ds. And the two big Ds are depression and or divorce. These are the inevitable results of stage two. You split up and you dump the bum, right? I can't take it anymore. And you divorce. Or you internalize all your anger and frustration and you simply endure the, the, the misery for the rest of your life and that leads to what? Depression. Got no joy anymore. Can't count how many people have said to me, Pastor Rick, my relationship to my wife or my husband is really getting me down. I'm so depressed. I don't know what to do. There's no joy in our relationship anymore. We just kind of go through the motions. You know, we're just, we're just like two, you know, people living in the same house or, you know, under the same roof or whatever. It's amazing the change between stage one and stage two. And by the way, it's, it's not that clean. It, 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 this happens over a long period of time. Long period of time. So how does this happen? How do you go from stage one to stage two? Well, there's lots of reasons, but let me give you the big one. I'm going to go back to what Jesus said. There's more happiness, Jesus said, when you give, when you put the other person ahead of yourself. There's more happiness. There's more joy in your life than re receiving. I'll tell you what happens, and I'm gonna save you 150 bucks an hour. Let 
When you're in stage two, the focus is now turned to you. It's turned to receiving. Your flesh is getting in the way. Jesus said, men, husbands, wives, there's more joy and more happiness when you, when you give, when you care about the other person, when you put their needs ahead of your own need, and you give, and you give. And that's not to say that your needs aren't important. They are. But there's something takes place, and I'm gonna talk more about that in, in, in just a moment. Now, when you get to stage two, you've basically got three options. And here they are. Option number one is you break up. You divorce. I'm done. Don't want to do this anymore. Don't want to feel this way anymore. Or option number two is you break down because you just have got it all internalized and, and you, just, you just break down. Or option number three is you break through. You break through to stage three. Now in America, most marriages never get past stage two. In fact, most data says that the average marriage lasts about eight years in, 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 a, in America. And what that tells me is that they were in stage one, everybody starts there, everybody gets to stage two, Everybody has those moments in their marriage where things are kind of dull and there's disappointment, there's all those kinds of things. Everybody gets there, everybody. Things aren't like they were in stage one and then people just go, I'm done. But there's a whole lot of people sitting in here and over in the venue watching online. You, you broke through. You got to stage three. And stage three is this. This is the mature love stage. There's deep joy, different kind of joy, different kind of joy in, in stage three than there is in stage one, because in stage one, usually you're young and immature and stupid and all those kinds of things. Not to say it's not joyful. There's a verse that's always read at weddings, okay? I can't tell you how many times I've read this at weddings, and I always think to myself, they have no clue what it means. They have no clue. But I'll read it, because it's what you read at weddings. Sounds good. And that's what Paul wrote in 1 Corinthians. This is a mature, deep, Holy Spirit-energized love. He says, love is patient. Pastor Rick, keep reading, please. Don't stop there. Please don't stop there. Love is kind, does not envy, it does not boast, it's not proud, it's not rude, it's not self-seeking. Jesus just put it the other way. It gives, it's better to give. More happiness and joy when you give than seeking to have all your own needs met. True love, mature love is not easily angered. It keeps no record of wrongs. In other words, it doesn't bury the hatchet and leave the handle up. I forgive you, sweetheart. I'll bury the hatchet, and there it is. And five months from now, a year from now, five years from now, 10 years from now, remember back in 62? <laughs> and you keep bringing something up. Love, verse six says, love does not delight in evil, but it rejoices with the truth. Love always protects, love always trusts, love always hopes, love always preserves, never fails. This isn't puppy love, this isn't infatuation. This is mature love. This is what the final stage of marriage is all about. But the sad truth is, is that too many marriages never get there. 
And they don't get there because they just don't have the wisdom to understand where they're at in the process. They don't realize that every single marriage goes through all those stages. And by the way, you can go from stage two back to stage one, go to stage two, go back. You, 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 can, you can be in stage three, make your way back to stage two. You, you, you may break through a number of times. It's not this binary, hey, you go here, boom, boom, you never go back. So what if you do, what, what do you do? And I guess this is the most important part, I think. What, what do you do if you're in stage two? What, what, do you, what, what do you do if the joy is gone from your life or your marriage? How do you get back your joy? Well, the first way is this. And I hate to sound like a broken record, but joy comes when you focus on giving rather than receiving. Because that's what Jesus said. And, and, and Jesus doesn't lie. He said there's more happiness, there's more joy when, when you give. When you wake up in the morning and your bride's sleeping next to you or your husband's next to you and you say, you know what, I am going to allow the word of God to encourage me and motivate me today to give, to give to give, to meet the needs of my husband, to meet the needs of my wife. They're more important than my own. Amen. Now you can go, you can go see somebody. They can tell you all the reasons why and all the stuff and you can go back to your childhood and you can peel that onion and get all the way back to whatever it is, you know, when you were 10 and you're, you know, da, 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 da. I'm not saying that there's not value in that. Please don't misunderstand me. But the bottom line is, is there comes a moment when you gotta do that regardless of how you grew up or what your background is or whatever. You just have to make the decision that I am going to do what Jesus said, and Jesus wouldn't lie, and he said there's more joy, there's more happiness when you give, when you care. You put somebody else ahead of your, yourself. Now here's the bummer. Society has trained us to do the exact opposite of this first step which is why so many marriages are failing. Society basically says you gotta look out for number one. You gotta do what's best for you. And when you buy into this kind of thinking, it'll ruin your marriage. It'll suck the joy right out of your marriage. And by the way, it also makes your own personal life miserable. Society says, you know, you, you gotta think about you. You gotta think about what's best for you. And when you do this, when, when you have that attitude, I want you to know something. You're just heading for a divorce. That's where you're headed. Let me put it to you this way. There are basically three kinds of love, okay? Okay, the, the first kind of love is this. I love you if. I love you if you love me. I love you if you please me. I love you if you do the things I, you know, the way I want them done. I love you if you'll provide for me, you know, financially and all that. I love you if you, you give me all the things I want. Now the problem is, is what happens if the if changes? You see, a lot of people get married and this is the kind of marriage that they're entering into. I'll love you if. And if the if changes, then the relationship's over. This is also called conditional love. And it doesn't last. It can last for a while. It can last through that first stage. I, I, I love you as long as you're gonna do these things. The second kind of love is I love you because. Now this is better than the first one, but not much better. I love you because you're good looking. I love you because you're smart and talented. 
I love you because you're a great person. I love you because you do all these things for me. I love you because you have a great big bank account. I don't know. You lo I love you because you pay attention to me. But again, what happens if somebody comes along that matches the qualifications better than that soul? What if you find somebody who's smarter or who's prettier or more handsome or wealthier or, who, or somebody who pays more attention to you? Then there's the third kind of love. And the third kind of love is, I love you, period. This love focuses on giving rather than receiving. Another way you could word this would be, I, I love you in spite of. I love you in spite of the fact that you're not a perfect human being. I love you in spite of the fact that you don't know how to cook very well. I love you in spite of the fact that you don't make as much money as my father made or my mother made. I love you in spite of the fact that there are people out there that are better looking than you. I love you in spite of the fact that there are people out there that are more talented than you. I love you in spite of the fact that sometimes sin gets the better of you. In other words, I love you, period. Beloved, you could bring the most beautiful, most talented, most influential, most spiritual, most wealthiest woman in the world right up here on this stage, and I'd still choose my wife. Why? Because I made the choice to love her Period. End of discussion. And that produces joy. Why? Because when you make the choice to love someone, period, you're focused on giving rather than receiving. Now, do I nail it all the time? No. I don't. I'm human, but I'm very thankful that my wife has made the choice to love me, period. Because if it was any other kind of love, I'd be you know, out the door. Listen, Jesus himself said this, for even the Son of Man, that's Jesus, came not to be served, but to serve others and to give his life as a ransom for many. That's why he came. He came to serve you, be a servant to you, to give, to give to you. And we're called to be like him. We're called to be discipled and mentored into his image. And if he came to be a, somebody who gave and gave and gave, well, man, we ought to do that in our marriages, right, guys? I mean, right, ladies? I mean, sh shouldn't we? If there's no joy in your marriage right now, the chances are pretty good. It's because you, your, your focus has shifted. I know mine has at times. And to everybody in here, I don't care how long you've been married, if you were honest, you would say, there have been periods in my life where my focus shifted. Let me give you an illustration. If you want to have great joy in your marriage, you gotta get your priorities right. And it starts with Jesus. Gotta have him number one. And then, then you think about others that are in your life. It could be you know, your spouse, it could be your kids, it could be your grandkids, it could be employees, it could be your neighbors, I don't know who it is. And then, and then yourself. You, you get Jesus number one, and then you get others, and then you have yourself. I want you to know something. There'll be great joy in your life. There'll be great joy in your marriage. Guarantee it. Guarantee it. Guarantee it. But here's, here's what happens as we go about our lives and wake up. Uh, we, 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 we get it backwards. We can have yoige. Right now, right now in China, you know, the big thing is this coronavirus. In America, we don't have a coronavirus. We got a yoige virus. And it's infiltrated the church. 
Yoids is taking over the church. All of a sudden, you know, you're, you're, you're what's most important. What about me? What about my needs? And then you, then you think about others and somehow Jesus has slipped to number three and here's the deal. Jesus is still in your life. I'm not saying he's not in your life. I'm just saying he doesn't have the right spot in your life and because he doesn't have the right spot in your life, the disease of yoige comes around which means you're never gonna make it to the deep mature stage. Or you've been there, you've slidden back to stage two, there's no joy and you're not gonna have another breakthrough again. This is what's keeping you from having a breakthrough. This is what keeps you from going to that deep, mature love place is because you're focused on you instead of what Jesus said when he said there's more happiness, there's more joy when you give, when you care about others. And in this case, obviously, we're talking about your spouse, you see? Now, here's, here's the deal. Oh, wow. Um, I, I, I'm just going to move ahead here, okay? I want to I walk through the, the, the triangle with you real quick. I'm going to land the plane. Uh, and I'm going to make this super simple. Because it is. It's super simple. It really is. It's super simple. I want you to imagine this triangle here. And there's, there's God up at the top where he be belongs. And then there's, there's you and, and your spouse, right? And, and, you know, th there you are. You love each other care about each other, all those kinds of things, right? The reason why we're always talking about, you know, get into a home group, get into a small group study, come to men on Mondays or Tuesdays and sit around with other guys and talk about the word. The reason why we're trying to get you in women's Bible studies, the, the reason why you go to prime time, and the reason why we got your, you know, we, we do everything we do around here is we want you to grow in your relationship with God. We want you to grow. We want you to have a greater understanding of God. We want you to grow closer to God. And, and when you grow closer to God, look what happens. See, if you're growing closer to God, go to the next slide. Oh, weird, isn't it? You and your spouse are closer together. You're just closer together. The closer you get to God, you're going to get closer together as a couple. It, it, just, it just happens. We're not building the space shuttle here. God, 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 God made this pretty simple. And here's the deal. You can be growing and getting closer to God, but your spouse is down here and you're, there's still a great divide. It has to be both of you. Both of you have to understand what God said when he, you know, man, it's just more joy when you give and re, than, than receiving and you're growing and you're following what the Lord says. And man, you're committed to the Lord and his word and you just get closer together. Now there'll be times when, whoop, you'll find yourself back at the bottom of the triangle and you have to look at your spouse, your bride, your husband and say, oh, oh, we know what's happening. The reason why we're in stage two right now, something's gone haywire. We've got to make some adjustments so that we can begin to get closer to, to God. One of the things, I'll, I'll tell you what I wish the American church would do. You know, if I had, if I had pixie dust or, you know, you know, some sort of wand or whatever, I could rub a genie's belly I wish the American Christian would be as committed to the Lord and the church as they were to their kids' soccer team. Or their softball team. Or their travel baseball team. Because when a parent makes a commitment that their son or daughter is going to play soccer, they don't miss it. I made a commitment to take my son or my daughter to that son. They're committed. And you don't see them here for eight weeks, nine weeks, 10 weeks, because they're committed, man. Man, I sure wish they had that kind of commitment to what God's doing here through us as a church or whatever local church that they're involved in. 
Because I'll tell you what, I think it's those kinds of things that just keep couples in stage two. There's an older generation that would be unheard of. Many of you are sitting in this group right now. It blows your mind to see what young couples commit to. They love Jesus. But man, once a month, you know, baseball season, it's not even that. Soccer season, kicking a little round ball into a net. That's what they're doing. They're kicking a round ball into a net. And I love sports. I do. I coach our, our varsity baseball team. I love sports. Nothing wrong with sports. Nothing wrong with having kids commit to coming to practices and whatever. Nothing wrong with that. But the world out there makes sure that you're committed on a Sunday. You get your kids in. You get them out there. I drive, every time I drive here, I go by the big soccer field out by my house, which is way out there. Beautiful place. It's always filled up with cars. And I wonder, how many of those cars are believers? What are they teaching the next generation? So I, had, I challenge you to think about maybe what stage you're in. Stage one is, you know, everything is fantastic stage. And if you're there, praise the Lord. Enjoy this moment. Just recognize, have the wisdom to know it's going to come to an end. There's nothing wrong with that. That doesn't mean the marriage is over. It just means you're going into another stage. You're going into another phase of, of your marriage. Stage two is, man, I didn't sign up for this. Man, the joy is, is gone. And here's where you're gathering some wisdom. If that's where you're at, that's okay. Just don't remain there. Remember, there's more joy in giving than there is receiving. Focus. Focus on your spouse. That, that, I'm going I'm to tell you right now, you start focusing on your spouse, meeting their need, forget about you, and I guarantee you, man, things can change in, in, literally, literally in a, on, a, on a dime. They can change on a dime. Or maybe you're in stage three and you're in that mature you know, love stage. Praise the Lord for that. Probably many of you in this hour are, are there. And that's a beautiful place to be. You broke through. You got through the stage two. And you're in this beautiful place where you love each other, period. You know all the faults. You know all the foibles of your spouse. And you still love them and you care for them. And you know what? You can, you can shift back down into stage two again where there's no joy. And then you got to go, oh, yeah, wisdom. You know what? Maybe I'm focusing too much on myself. And, and then you start to give. And you give. And then all of a sudden, wow, things will change. And when you have a little bit of wisdom, um, it can make a difference when you know where you're at along this beautiful journey called marriage. It's when you don't know that you can get, oh man, this is, I'm, I'm done. No, you're not done. Just make, tweak it. Get a little closer to God and I guarantee you things will change. Everybody stand up here. Everybody stand up over in the venue. And so Lord, thank you God for our time today. Wow, communion was great. The music was great. Thank you for all of our children's workers. Wow, they're serving. They're just good people. Thank you, Jesus, for your word. And God, would you watch over us and protect us, God. May we be the men and women that uh, you want us to be. And I pray this in your name. And all of God's people said, amen. Hey, Lord bless you, okay? Live for, live for Christ.